Well, it doesn't. It looks more like a Tamagotchi than a cat robot. It's got like the little the camera is literally sticking out of its head. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the Laser Couch Podcast. We're here to give you all you need to know about consumer tech, the internet, and all things CES. My name is Jeff Kim, and why Watson, I never left. My name is Kelvin Lee, and I had a dream that celebrities were listening to our show. What sort of celebrities? Oh, like bad. Like, uh, <laughs> like random Asian celebrities from when I was growing up. You had a dream about that? Yeah, it was weird, man. That's... Have you ever heard of a show called uh, Young and Dangerous? Like it, it's a Hong Kong sort of gangster film from the nineties. Wow, that's mm. I don't know. That that's quite alarming. What, what, so it's a very violent kind of show. It, well, yeah, kinda. It's kind of like the mm. yeah. It was it was really bad. I mean, it's unwatchable now. Um, <laughs> they did it like they did like it was huge. Like they did eight parts to this movie, and yeah. Anyway, eh, that was that was my week. Wow, that 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 is crazy. I mean, like, uh, yeah, has has that happened to me before? I'm not sure. <laughs> Random celebrities dream listening to our show. No, no. I've I've had a few people at work um, comment on it just this week for some reason. Hmm. What kind of comments? Like, oh, you've got a podcast. Um, what what's some of your what, what is a go to episode that you recommend for like a primer of what your podcast is about? <laughs> I can I think of the episodes not to listen to. Hmm. The beta. Um, I don't know. The, the, I mean, 114 is pretty good. The prediction one. Mm-hmm. You didn't like 115 then? No, no, I did. I just, I'm just trying to think like, you know, what's more across the board? Um, yeah. Uh, covering a few different things, you know, from phones to, uh, you know, uh, all the different things that happen in the year. We go through our episodes. So it's a good summary of the year and a good summary of the show. True, true. All right. So what are we doing today, Kelvin? Uh, what we do every year during this time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. CES 2019. Whoa. Oh. Officially not Consumer Electronics Show. Yes. Uh, just, just CES. Just CES. That's it. Yeah, and apparently they're sexist, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, for those who don't know, CES is the arguably the biggest electronics uh, consumer show in the world. There's TVs, there's robots, there's uh, talking cats and uh, assistive, you know, um, hardware, uh, robots, everything. So mm-hmm. we're gonna I have go an through... intro clip. I have an oh, intro clip. Yes, do it. It's better okay, than mine. this is from Consumer Reports. So typically what it is is a showcase for new technologies. So it gives you sort of a roadmap into the future as to things that you're going to expect to see in a couple of years. But very rarely are the newest and greatest things something that are going to be commercialized this year. Yeah, so exactly right. It's uh, all all the new stuff that's happening. We've got 8K TVs officially. Um, That's not going to see the light of day for another five, six years. But here's a list I found of all the products that that have been unveiled in CES in the past. Would you like to hear those? Yeah, hit it. All right. So the first one in the list here, 1970, the VCR. I actually don't know what that stands for. Video cassette recorder, I guess it is. Yes, Um, there you go. (laughs) um, 74 was the laser disc. Uh, the year 1979, the Atari 400 came out. Um, 81 was when CDs came out. 81? Wow. 81, yeah. And 82, this was a bit surprising, Commodore 64, like the CD 
predates the Commodore 64. And these these were like things that were all launched at CS. So it's it's a bit bit of a big deal. I think um, I mean this this article goes on to um, talk about everything that happened or were unveiled until 2003. So I think he's trying to say, well, nothing of significance has happened since then. Um, but you've got things like Xbox in 2001, the DVD in 1996, uh, NES in 85, I could go on, but yeah, like has, what, what are the things, at least in the years that we've been covering CES, which is like since 1919, no, 20, <laughs> 2000 15, I think we started well, covering Well, I am 65 now or something. Anyway, um, can you think of anything? No. Uh, well... I'm trying to think. Of, uh, we'll probably have to look back at our shows, but um, no. Yeah, but like we usually cover the crazy things, right? That doesn't really become, you know, like so uh, commoditized that you know it's just it's like electricity now. Um, I mean, yeah, like the the cool things, the transformative things, you know, that have happened in the last say 15 years that have been uh, like the iPhone or the iPad. They're, they're from other shows. It's not from CES. So I think that's what this guy's trying to say anyway. Yeah. But also, I think there's a lot of um, diversity at CES. It covers everything from hospitals uh, to robots. So, you know, you and I are not going to come across those every single day of our lives. No, no, no. Um, any any sort of themes that you picked up on this year? Like we've had about a week to go through a lot of articles and videos and YouTube clips. Um, yeah, you know, it, I, I can I can definitely see why people get tired going to CES. Um, uh, what what I do realize is because we cover all these different publications and media outlets and YouTube channels, they're focusing on the crazier stuff. Uh, I know I've seen that LG Roller TV like 25 times now in different videos. Um, but besides that, you know, I think people are looking at different things, and and it's going beyond the conventional tech now. There's mm-hmm. food. There's science, there's chemistry. So we'll go through that all um, today. I've got a a little clip from a BNN Bloomberg, and I think I've heard it on a couple of podcasts as well, but they they think this is a theme or a very strong theme at this CES. A common thread through the sprawling maze of exhibitions at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, 5G, the next generation of faster wireless. High speed, low latency, aimed at powering more than just smartphones, like those self-driving cars. Autos have become a big part of CES, with the major automakers and others showcasing what's cutting edge. Mm, dance party. I think they were at a dance party. <laughs> what is with that? Um, yeah, I want to talk about some of the coverages. But yeah, 5G. Um, I, I've got a couple of ads targeted towards me from Telstra, the largest um, telco here in Australia. Yeah. Um, but have you seen anything numbers-wise? I mean, it's still all very, you know, it's coming. It's going to be great. Some Some companies are... Uh, allegedly sticking 5G uh, on, on your phone, but it's not really 5G. It's just, you know, a pumped up 4G. Have mm-hmm. you seen anything real come from CES? Like 5G phones? I think the only thing I can kind of gather is that, yeah, everyone wants it. Everyone, Everyone's like collectively wanting to have this technology. I mean, it is meant to be a different kind of technology altogether right um yeah whether we're going to see it uh this year or i think it's probably gonna uh ramp up from 2020 is my guess i know the ceo for telstra was uh, over there and uh he took over their instagram account and he was posting a few things about 5g as well hmm yeah um here's, here's another theme that uh the verge cast guys uh picked up on 
I will say a, a theme of CS I've noticed is like the tech industry's recognition that like mortality is inevitable. Right. Yeah. So many devices here are designed to like tell you that you're sleeping shitty and that when you fall down, your children should be notified. Yeah, there's a lot of fall detection. Like, yeah. not just stuff you wear, but, like, robots with cameras that are just, like, watching you all the time. And if they hear or see you fall, they'll, like, tune yeah. over to you be like, are you okay <laughs> over there? And then you say no, and then they, like, call for help. <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay? Um, no, I think I think that is definitely a, uh, a theme. Um, I've, I've got a couple of clips from Engadget and uh, Washington Post and things like that. Um, how should we do this? Should we go through different categories? How should we break down all the information that's coming out from CES? Well, you sent me 15 clips. I think yeah. uh, I think you get to decide how this is going to run. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I went through so many videos. Um, I think, first of all, let's talk about that. Are you, is it almost too much, CES? Is, it, is, it, is there too much coming out of CES? Should they break the show down uh, a lot more? How did you feel after watching all the content? Well, not, not, nothing too different from the previous years. I mean, if, if anything, it's getting bigger. I think I read that there were 140,000 participants this year, um, over 40,000 um, vendors. Um, I, I don't think it's going to slow down, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think from a coverage point of view, like for you know two guys uh, with no budget, not having to go over there, but trying to cover it, yes, it is It is a lot to cover. And uh, we, we're just going to uh, scrape the surface here. But um, we try to find the, the cool things. Um, certainly, you know, a lot of it is vaporware, like it'll just kind of kind of come and go. But um, we do want to pick up on some of the actual things that are going to happen, say, by the year 2022. Yeah. So I think let's continue on with the theme from The Verge, guys. Let's let's start with health. Um, play the clip around best accessibility from Engadget. This year's winner is the Samsung Gems H, a lightweight lower body exoskeleton weighing just 4.6 pounds, making it comfortable to wear. There are two modes, one to relieve people who would otherwise have trouble walking, and another mode that actually adds resistance to help people rehabilitate after an injury. Though Samsung might not be known for its medical gear here in the U.S., it runs hospitals in its native Korea and already has a line of assistive wearables. Mm. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Um, it, it looks like it's an exoskeleton that wraps around your waist and your thighs yeah. uh, down to your knees. So if you've had you know, a fall or knee surgery, this actually provides support um, to help you walk. Or if you're going through therapy, they will add some resistance to help you build the right muscles to improve your well-being. Mm. So, you know, Samsung, I think to us, you know, just phone manufacturers um, and TVs and things like that. But in Korea, they do a lot of industrial stuff. They do a lot of health stuff. Um, so this is Engadget giving out their awards. Uh, I think they do this every year. So that was for best accessibility. Right. And I, I like this sort of angle. I, I had a clip on that as well, but um, it was kind of covered slightly differently, but uh, I, I like your one. Um, mm. So yeah, these are the awards, what it, part, part of the awards that they gave out? Yeah. Yeah. So I think they had three three different types, right? They had one for your feet or your ankles, mm. one for the thighs. I think that was a popular one where you can actually, um, you know, not only make it easier, but you could also put pressure on, on, on it, I think. Um, almost as if you're walking on like in on water or in in water, I should say. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool tech because like that that is something that we we've all wanted in the future. Um, yeah, but uh, what's the accessibility part of this exactly? 
So, so the Engadget is broken down its awards into different um, categories, and this is for best accessibility. Um, and the, the thing I like about this Samsung device is, uh, unlike the past exoskeletons we see where we think it's, you know, alien-type technology where you, you wear a suit in, like, a mech unit and walk around, this is this looks lightweight. Uh, this looks like, you know, it's, it's, it's created very well. It doesn't look metal at all. It's designed mm-hmm. well. It looks like almost like a... I don't know, like, you know, when you go um, uh, rock climbing and you wear the harness, um, mm. it kind of looks like that. Uh, but I don't know how it works. Um, I don't know how the main unit is designed to sort of add resistance or help. Um, but I can't wait to see something like this, you know, just be more yeah. prevalent. Yeah. So when we say exoskeleton, it's just a very, uh, it's, it's not the full suit that you might think of or picture in your head straight away. Mm. It's more like a, a piece of equipment that you just wear on your thighs. And I think it'll help you, you know, a certain percentage in terms of energy needed to get around, uh, especially if you're walking upstairs for the elderly, things like that. It'll, it'll help. And I, and I like this because, and I like this award because this is something that not just disabled people will benefit from, but eventually everyone will benefit from. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for a time where we'll have sports, um, where we'll have, you know, the average Joe sport league and the, you know, everyone's modified uh, league uh, just for anything, really. I think that'll be super exciting. I mean, mm. I've been using the Lime e-bikes here in Sydney a lot, where it's sort of an assistive bike. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but it actually does make a difference. You know what I mean? You use, you know, um, less energy, you do more. And um, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think we can probably move from here to best health. Best Health Award. But we were most impressed by Triple W's D3, a portable ultrasound monitor trained on the bladder. This device tracks bladder levels and it sends alerts to patients and or caretakers. And since it has the potential to lessen the need for disposable diapers, this device might help restore patients' dignity and it's more environmentally friendly to boot. Mm, what's a device yeah. exactly? So you attach it to your somewhere close to your bladder and it tells you when it's full. Uh, so for people who are unable to, uh, you know, uh, relieve themselves when they want or they have some sort of disability, uh, this will actually tell the user, by the way, your bladder is, you know, X, Y percentage full, you might want to go to the toilet. Um, so it reduces their need for diapers and things like that uh, and gives them some of their dignity back because, I mean, you know, the, the, the psychological trauma you go through as an adult wearing a diaper is definitely there. So. You know, it's another great use of technology just to improve people's lives. Um, and then a lot of this stuff interested me a lot more than the TVs and the soundbars uh, at CES this year. Yeah, that's truly on theme there. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Should we go to cars? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's, let's do that. What do you have in cars? Um, hmm. Actually, I don't have anything on cars, but I, I'm going to play yours. Yeah, that's auto. All right. It's a semi with level two assistive features. That means adaptive cruise control, lane assist, and auto braking technologies. Those might be familiar features in a consumer vehicle, but the Daimler Freightliner Cascadia is the first time those technologies have been available in a truck like this. Yes, so um, I recently bought a new car. Uh, It was the Subaru Forester. Uh, One of the things that drew out to me You did? You didn't tell me about that. I did. I, I don't know, you know, this... I, I never came up with a topic, um, <laughs> but one of the things that drew me to the Subaru is um, the uh, what they call eyesight, which is uh, two cameras facing the road. Uh, what it does is if I'm driving too quick and something pulls up in front of me, it automatically stops. It's called AEB, which stands for Automated Emergency Braking. 
So a lot of technology like that is available to consumer cars, but not to trucks. Um, and I saw the demo where, you know, this car just, you know, breaks in front of a truck and the computer decides to stop the truck. Uh, super impressive stuff because if you're driving an 18-wheeler, um, you know, it's, it's huge and sure you have mirrors and stuff but now that you have cameras and you have you know ai and, and all the learning that's happening on these trucks it's going to reduce accidents uh for sure mm-hmm. interesting i the only thing i sort of read up on was uh by nissan nissan mm. and they are developing or well, they're, they're calling this thing which i think everyone uses anyway but they're calling it invisible to visible technology <laughs> <laughs> Possibly using 5G, um, but basically it's it's saying yeah, like uh, imagine if you know in in the future everything is truly self driving, and uh, you know we got that big dashboard space in a car. So if you're riding inside, why don't you make that into some sort of screen? So like we've seen we've seen cars that have um, sorry, I'm talking about the windscreens, not the dashboard. Um, so we've seen cars with big you know electronic dashboards that you know shows you everything. But imagine if the whole windscreen was a was a screen and um there's there's some ar part of it but also like the screen can take over the whole experience so um anyway that that was a crazy demo um that's about the only thing i saw in auto Um, i mean the other big thing was i I couldn't watch cnet's coverage of it it was it was it was them trying to be some sort of tabloid they had, they had some sort of tablet type approach to, you know, um, their CS coverage where they had two people on the ground where they got people to come in, they interview them, but they also, you know, wore sunglasses and yelled a lot. Um, one of the things that I did catch on on that uh, CNET coverage was obviously the Uber taxi mm-hmm. um, that looks pretty futuristic. Uh, I think they I think they slate it for more testing in 2020 to become more of a reality. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot longer than that. It's just a fancy helicopter, isn't it? Because it's not Pretty like much. it's not autonomous. You, you still need a pilot. Um, let's go to one of the good things that I found, and I, to me, this this is my favorite thing. So I'm just going to go there now. Um, it's by a company called North, and you might have heard of it. And I believe you got the best wearable technology. I have a feeling that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, Focals. Is that it? No. No, I don't think so. But anyway, Ooh. keep going. Keep going. Okay, so. Kelvin, do you remember Google Glass? I think you wore that once you when you were in New York once. I did, I did. <laughs> so that was like five years too too early. Yeah. Um, now we have the right sort of technology to, um, you know, build technology into things that we wear already. So um, this company that you know they they used to do gesture control stuff on their wrist, and uh, and one day they pivoted to, uh, like, hey, let's uh, no no one's doing this properly. Let's um, uh, use the glasses um, that we're wearing, uh, but put some sort of augmented layer in front of that. Um, so this is Aaron Grant, who is the CEO, um, or sorry, he's the CTO and, and co-founder, um, and he's just going to talk about why they pivoted. We've done tons of different studies um, and, and talked to people, focus groups, that sort of thing. But really, the, the thing that convinced us was about a year, year and a half before launch, we started running a, a beta program with early kind of alpha hardware. Um, and people act like just the things that people latched onto in the product, like using Amazon Alexa uh, while they're cooking to manage a bunch of different timers while their hands are busy, um, and, and all the different things we saw people start to use it for through that beta program. 
really kind of cemented for us the value in uh, a form factor. It also really showed us the importance of nailing the form factor and nailing something that people are comfortable wearing all day, every day, both from an appearance perspective, but also just from you know weight, comfort, um, and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm, so I didn't know, real, realize that the background noise was going to be so clear. There, but, uh, <laughs> but that's all of CES, though. Like, a lot of my clips is... are going to be like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, their their approach is you know style first and you know gadget second. So I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, they look like the mag- Magic Leap glasses. Is that the one? No, they, they look like just normal regular glasses. No, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, okay. And and they put very very simple you know electronics on it. Um, so all you get to see is the. You know, the, some of the notifications, maybe you get a message. Um, the cool thing I, I find is that they've in, embedded Alexa into it. Mm. Um, so it's voice controlled. There's no input. Um, well, actually, there is an input. It's it's a ring that you wear on your finger. And there's like a simple little joystick with, that you can use with your thumb. So that's the sort of scrolly. So you don't have to, you know, talk to it to scroll uh, through information. You don't have to like touch your glasses on the side to do that. You just, you know, just have a ring on your finger. Which I, I think was I think cool. yeah. I know I think I think it sounds really good and it sounds like you know a back to basics type uh, mm. device that you know Google may have overcomplicated with Google Glasses and yeah. it sounds affordable you know what I mean without mm. an actual device price to work with that's right um, in fact nine to five Google they've got a pretty cool article and I think you can relate to this because they equate this to the the smartwatch uh, moment when Pebble came came around uh, so, my Pebble that's right so Pebble was a the one of the very first smartwatches relatively cheap um, you know very simple parts basic parts but it sort of paved the future in terms of uh, paved the way into the future in terms of what it can do um, and I think this is sort of that moment as well mm. so on the on the um, on the topic of glasses, um, a, a similar company won best startup for Engadget. If you could play that clip, we've seen mixed reality headsets before, but the light is the first one that doesn't look awkward. Inside those slim frames are loads of cameras and sensors that make for some accurate inside-out tracking and crisp 1080p laser projections. As a bonus, you can even swap in prescription lenses. Ooh. So this is a ripoff of the Magic Leap. Um, it does. It, it, it's not. It's not clear from the video on Engadget, but I can't tell if they have a processing unit like uh, the Magic Leap that you have to, you know, attach uh, onto yourself somewhere. But it looks a lot more. Uh, friendly uh it doesn't look too weird when you put it on um it's got all these cameras surrounding uh, the frame uh, it projects uh these different screens i feel like it's a simplified version of what magic leap is trying to do and then sort of does a lot more than what we just spoke about um so it's like an in-between between uh magic leap and the simple sort of glasses that we just uh discussed mm, okay so yeah it's called nreal is it that's right the, the company is called nreal uh I, I, don't remember what the glasses were called, but it looks pretty prototype ready. Um, so there was a quick sort of screenshot around the, the typical demo where you see whale, a whale, you know, mm. uh, flying across you as you look out. Um, uh, the, the old whale. <laughs> yeah, the whale. It's been done to death, the poor old whale. Um, but no, I think I think there's a lot happening on that front. And you know what? It's 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 not going to end there. I think some of the glasses are going to be it. Uh, and who knows? This might help with your prediction with Apple coming up with their own glasses. Well, I think um, the the biggest clue for me is the focals 
um, glasses because that, I think that's the thing that Apple wants to put out. Mm. Um, how how you know you know um, advanced that would be is a big question. So if it's as simple as Focals or you know the Pebble version of um, the smartwatch, I, I don't think it'll take off. But it needs to be that sort of maybe first generation of Apple Watch, right? Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I think they're on the clock because as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, it's last week, actually. Um, Apple are about to die. <laughs> and this is the only thing that's going to save them. That's right. Um, while we're still on the topic of reality, um, I also uh, clipped a number of clips from the Washington Post. Um, they have a really entertaining uh, journalist. His name is Jeffrey. Um, he came across uh, all these weird things at CES, and he started sort of you know interviewing all these different people. I thought it was a good time to play. Uh, he came across a product called The Trip. Hmm. The VR trip. That's right. Let's go. Sometimes you need to just get away. Strap on one of these and you can go on a trip. What is this? <laughs> this is trip. So normally when we think about a trip, you might think of like a drug trip or a bad trip. Right. This is a good trip. This is a good trip. We're definitely not into bad trips. This trip is a really groovy virtual reality program designed to make you feel better. Inside, you see a specially curated always changing kaleidoscope of images that focuses your mind on things other than whatever is bothering you at the moment. What do you call this technology or medicine? We call it an adaptive digiceutical. I'm sorry, say that again? An adaptive digiceutical. Wow. It's like meditation, yep. it's a video game say with meets me. a happy pill. Adaptive digiceutical and I'm totally, yeah. Uh, but you know what, I think, it, I think it's gonna stick. I think, you know, based on the last couple of items we just spoke about, how, how you know, how unlikely it is to not have an entire new industry, entire new product category called digiceuticals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a simple VR uh, program uh, that you, I'm guessing you can install on any of those new portable VR headsets, like, you know, hopefully the Quest uh, from Oculus. So, you know, imagine you're having a really bad day. It's like 8 p.m. Your boss just let you out of the office. You're sitting on a train. It's an hour home. You put on this program in your goggles and you just chill out all the way home for an hour. Uh, it's trippy. Um, hence the name trip um, and I'm guessing they're doing studies into you know what actually helps soothe the mind and give you a digital high I guess do you think uh, VR or AR is better for this sort of stuff because I feel like AR might have a better potential just because you know like in, t- in terms of going on some sort of trip I mean uh, <laughs> I think I think I think it's better VR because I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sit back on the train. I just want to practically fall asleep. Um, I don't want to be affected by my actual reality. And then I'll set I don't know an alarm clock before um, I hit my station. Um, and then yeah, you know I think I think in, in VR is about taking you outside of your reality. Um, mm. This works really well for it. It might help with our Monday morning sessions when we. Uh haven't done it for a while but like we we actually for half an hour we meditate if you knew that we do we do that yeah no is there is there incense play uh anyway um yeah so 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 that that was um uh, a good uh sort of look into vr um Mm. the other type of wearable that is really quite interesting is the good old watch and there was a really interesting approach to that uh if you could play the best wearable award 
At first glance, the Omron looks like a sporty watch, but in fact, it has a built-in blood pressure cuff, allowing people with hypertension and other conditions to take their reading anytime with the push of a button. And it wasn't just we who were impressed by the technology. The FDA has also cleared it for use in the US. Yes, so it's a watch that can take your blood pressure. Mm, all right. I think, so is that what she said? Did I hear that right? <laughs> she said, let's, let's play it again. Yes, let's play it again. At first glance, the Omron looks like a sporty watch, but in fact, it has a built-in blood pressure cuff, allowing people with hypertension and other conditions to take... Blood pressure. Blood pressure yeah. cuff. So yeah, so I... I I don't know why that's never been done before. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor and I can't tell you, but, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we've all done blood pressure tests with the whole um, strap around your arm and the bubble. Um, yeah. So this is the first time they've managed to put it onto a watch, I'm assuming. How that's accurate why. is this? Uh, well, if the FDA has approved it, um, yeah. I don't want someone who is, you know, prone to hypertension to get sure. hypertension from thinking they have hypertension um so i guess the, your blood pressure is like generic enough to not you know like because apple is sort of coming under a bit of fire for the ekg because everyone's sending that on at the moment and yeah. um it's only useful if there's something wrong with you like if there's nothing wrong with you it's like more problematic for the the medical community apparently just because, uh, because you're misreading it yeah and that's possibly to that and um yeah so like blood pressure like i don't know it's, it's such a like it's a metric that can um, be wrong for so many things or, you know, like there's no like one thing that you're measuring, right? Like the EKG just for that irregular blood, uh, sorry, the heart rhythm kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's why they want it all, right? I mean, that's why Apple and Google want all your health stats, not just your heart rate mm -hmm. or how many steps you take. It, the more data they throw at this, so now that they have your EKG, your EKG, they now have your blood pressure, they now have your heart rate, they now have how often you exercise, they now have your diet, they know where you go, what how much you sleep. Mm. Hopefully, there's enough in there for the machines to figure out if you're about to die. Yeah, and I think um, just just that clip said that it was a cuff, so I'm assuming it's the band, the the sensors around the band, mm, which makes yeah. sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. So to end it all up uh, with Engadget, uh, of everything they saw, they decided to give their award uh, to one company. Um, they've have they have a new category called Most Impactful, and it's super interesting. Anyway, we had three very different entries this year and ended up going with the second generation Impossible Burger. We'll fully admit that the original was underwhelming, but this new formula? You wouldn't know you were eating plants unless someone told you. We chose it for this category not just because it's delicious, but because of its distribution. White Castle and Umami Burger had already said they'd sell it, and who knows who else? With that kind of taste and that kind of reach, we think it might actually convince some people to give up beef, or at least eat less of it. Is this bugs? <laughs> That's all to White Castle, man. Um, so it's called the Impossible Burger. Um, it's a beef patty made out of, in a lab, uh, made out of vegetables. Oh. Uh, apparently last year um, it was horrible, uh, mm. but this year it's a lot better. So much so that, you know, uh, Umami is, must be a Japanese chain of sorts and uh, White Castle are going to sell it. Um, all across the U.S., so it hopefully it makes our shores uh, makes it to our shores soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it tastes like meat, smells like meat, can we eat that instead of meat? Who knows? <laughs> so it, will this fall under the vegetarian, non-meat category, or is, is it, it, yeah, it's vegan? Right, it is vegan. Okay. Mm. 
So all all veggies, like no bugs of any kind, no crickets. No crickets, no caterpillars. No roaches, no, no caterpillars. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. Well, that, so, that's that's really good. I think that's Yeah, that's I mean, but, you know, like, but this is, I think, you know, just going back to what the Vergecast is saying around the theme, it really is health. Um, considering that Engadget gave their most impactful award as well as most impressive overall to Impossible Burger. Mm, okay, well, if we're going to stay on the theme of health, how about beer? <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of beer. So LG, um, I think LG was one of the winners out of the big electronic companies, and we're not going to talk too much about TVs here, but they've created something brand, brand new, and it's to do with beer. And now, now you're thinking LG, life's good, beer, how, how is that possible? Um, so everyone knows the, the Nespresso pods. Are you familiar with those, Kelvin? Yes, yes, I do. So imagine, actually, have you seen this? Because this is pretty cool. No, I haven't um, seen this. So imagine the exact same methodology of creating coffee through pods and just you just add water and it somehow magically um, brews this amazing you know pretty quality coffee right it's not mm. it's not the um the things that you get in the cafes but pretty close so imagine if you can do the same with beer so they developed the homebrew system and i'm just going to read up some of the notes here um actually i'm going to play the clip first you just insert these capsules which contain malt, yeast, hop oil, and flavoring, and you simply press a button. And from the button, you can select what type of beer you actually want to make. Homebrew automatically takes care of the whole brewing process, from fermentation to carbonation and aging, right through to serving and drinking the beer. It even self-cleans all this in as little as two weeks. All right, so that last bit is the kicker there. So it, t- it does take two weeks, not 20 seconds. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, my God, it self-cleans, it brews, it does this. Yeah. And I have to wait two weeks. Now you get 1.3 gallons out of that, which is about five liters, just just short of. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think two weeks, I think if you are really desperate for a beer, then, you know, it, does, it doesn't help you there. Um, but if you, like, you know, forward thinking and... <laughs> Um, you've got a party coming up in, in uh, two weeks' time. I, I, th- I think this is fine. Like, um, if, if you're desperate for a beer, you can go out and get it, right? Do you but, remember uh, two, three years ago, there was these things you could buy and put in your fridge and you could, they were like mini kegs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's very different, but those died a pretty quick death because, yeah. you know, it just fizzed out. Ah, um, how is this going to be different, you think? Well, in, in the same way, Nespresso. So it's it's not the immediate thing. So like, mm. I guess the the thinking is like, you know, you are forward thinking, and maybe um, for two weeks of the time, um, maybe given a given a month, um, the first two weeks is when you brew, um, and then and the second two weeks is when you you know get to taste taste it out of out of this thing. Um, now, it, like the the thing I like is like they just didn't say beer. You know, there's five you know types of beers: so IPA. Uh, what else? Uh, like a dark stout to a um, what's a, what's another type of beer? Help me out here, pale oh, ale. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I, w- I was talking to um, friend of the show, Audio Andy, um, and you know he he obviously is gonna love this, and um, we're thinking over, over time and. By the way, there's no sort of release date for this, but um, hopefully it, it is a real thing that comes out this year. But imagine, you, you know, you can sort of put your own little flavor so you can almost, uh, it, it's like brewing it at home without all the mess. 
I see what you mean. So you make it special to you, like, you know, kale, ale. Yeah, and, and maybe it's like a combination of those pods. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe like a little bit of hop here, a little less hop there, that sort of thing. Right. So you can, oh, I see what you mean. So it's not mm. just one capsule that determines everything. You get, to de- you get to determine the balance of it. From what I've seen, there's like three pod things that you have to put yeah. in. Uh, ah. But yeah, what, what if you like different combinations, like you're just sort of um, mixing up all the jelly bellies type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember that. Um, no, that sounds super interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that was a bit of a highlight for me. Um, yeah, and LG, what did I have for that? Yeah, so, well, the, the other thing I was impressed with LG was the, the rollable screen. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that a little bit. So I've got no clip, but so this is a 65-inch rollable screen that comes up from a uh, like a TV stand. Mm-hmm. So you can actually place the whole screen away. Yes. I think one of the things that really impressed me, I was watching the video from um, Marcus Brownlee. Um, so the way it works is um, think about it as like a roller door on your garage where little panels fold up. Mm. Uh, and then it has an X frame at the back of it to give it rigidity. Um, so the the other thing is the it, because it has to sort of go into a big box that big box has the speaker in it mm-hmm. um i don't know why but i don't know why most tvs come with the worst speakers you can possibly think of so hopefully this will give it uh sort of a another point of differentiation mm-hmm. um the other issue though and i've got a clip on this is the cost right and they're being very coy about this so if you can pay even if you can play the clip um lg tv billionaire i don't have anything for you today so do i have to be a millionaire or a billionaire uh, I think it will be accessible to more than billionaires. <laughs> so that's, talking to her there. So that's Jeffrey from Washington Post interviewing okay. one of the head honchos at LG. Um, and I love the way Jeffrey interviews, right? I mean, he just goes like, so really, like, how much is this? Like, do I have to be a millionaire and a billionaire? And the guy's like, you don't have to be a billionaire. So this is going to cost an arm and a leg. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing upwards of 100 grand. Yeah, but we all know what happens to TVs. Yeah. Something that I bought for $500, uh, like almost five years ago now, um, used to be $20,000 when, when it was shown at CS. So yeah, it'll take time, but, uh, I think, um, it is a, it is a view to the future. Um, I, I like the, uh, the, the third mode so you can, you know, mm-hmm. bring, bring the TV up or like have it hidden away completely, or you can sort of have a third of it peeping up and that sort of becomes your, like dashboard for you know playing music or it could be like a clock so i like that little touch or yeah it's called it's called the line mode i think um yeah. and it can show the weather you know it can be your little alexa slash google assistant pop-up screening thing yeah so it has both the assistants and i think they've added airplay as well nice mm, no siri however yeah all right, so the TVs, that's probably it for TVs. I think, yeah, we don't need to cover any more on that. Um, how about some of the weird stuff? Yeah, let's go weird. Let's go toilets. Um, as, as you probably already know, one of the highlights of 2018 was the talking toilet, if you want to play that clip. You might remember the talking toilet from last year. Ask Kohler to flush the toilet. Okay. The one thing my trips to the bathroom were missing was a cloud-connected computer recording the experience and uploading my download. So that was a bit of fun from Colbert uh, making fun of the talking toilet. Um, on, on, on that same theme, um, we also knew that in 2018 there was that toilet for cats, which uh, you and I uh, 
did a bit of research, not extensively, when you uh, had a cat, we were looking at all the different ways of cleaning cat poop. But now, not to be left out, there's a toilet for dogs. Woof. What is this? This is a fully automated dog toilet. Yep, for a thousand bucks, Lassie can get this version of a cat's litter box. Sensors know when the pooch climbs on and does his business, and then it closes up this door and washes it all away. All the business gets wiped into this handy sealed baggie. Wait, why do dogs need toilets? There's a toilet for you. Why not for your dog? Are dogs jealous of cats? They, they might be, yes. <laughs> They're using technology to get a leg up, so to speak. Hey. <laughs> like a leg up. So this is uh, what you realize is as I was clipping all of this stuff. Some of the people selling their own stuff have a real serious lack of humor and professionalism. Uh, and you realize this as we go through some of these clips. Mm. Um, the other... Yeah, Actually, before ahead. you go on, I want you to describe what this looks like. Oh, I've, my God. Like, that, yeah. That's a really good segue because it's half a vending machine. Okay. So it's about the half a vending machine. It's huge. Um, so your dog poops in this um, metal plate on the floor, uh, which is that funny noise in the clip. And then when it detects the poop, the door goes up. Uh, and then the, the, the poop slides into this thing. It gets sucked into the machine. It gets cleansed somehow. Into the incinerator. It, no, it puts it in a bag. Oh, okay. And then it poops it into a bag that you can, it seals and it just leaves it on the side. Ah. Oh. It's not the best. Is this for uh, your home or is it like for outside? I don't, I don't know. They didn't really say, but these guys are like, if you got a toilet, you know, why, why, why can't dogs have a toilet? I'm like, you can't use that justification for everything. Mm. For it dogs. Sounds, sounds similar to the, the multiple uh, laundry uh, folding machines that they were out right. there this year. That's right. That were huge in 2018 that I still haven't seen uh, yeah. in my local, you know, Bingley or anything. Um, let's see. What else can we go through next? Um, let's go through, let's go, since we're on the theme of animals, let's go to needy cat robot. Or maybe what we've all been missing is to come home and snuggle with a robot. What does it do? Do nothing, actually, just to uh, or bother you. <laughs> it bothers me. Made by a Japanese firm called Groove X, they're kind of like cats from the future. They use motors and some 50 sensors and cameras purely to make you feel like you need to pick them up and cuddle. Particularly when they do this. What are you telling me? No. They seem a little needy to me. Yeah, yeah, they, they really love you. <laughs> Are they like this all the time? Yeah, yeah. And this doesn't drive you crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous laughter. <laughs> so that was, that was some Japanese guy, you know, who obviously is... I, I think there's a huge cultural divide here. Uh, you know, people in Japan, they work stupid hours. Uh, they go home. Um, they, you know, they basically even live at work. I mean, they go home, they really don't have the time to take care of a pet, but yet they want some company. So they have this cat just cuddle up to them for a couple of minutes before they collapse in bed and go to bed for six hours and do it all over again. So it's a totally different cultural nuance. And I think this fits Japan really well. But as you can tell from the interview, like this cat is here to bug you. What, what don't you see? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just like a Tamagotchi, right? It's like an actual cat robot. Well, it doesn't. It looks more like a Tamagotchi than a cat robot. It's got Ooh. like the little the camera is literally sticking out of its head. 
Okay. So it just rolls around, and when it senses you, it goes up to you and goes, ooh. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I being a, a cat owner of late, <laughs> yeah. I think I can kind of understand that sort of psychology. Um, yeah, but I'm assuming it's going to be thousands of dollars. Um, get a real yeah. cat, people. Get a real cat. Yeah. Adopt uh, a cat, please. Considering that you can now get a automated toilet for your animal i don't see why you should get a robot instead of a living breathing animal that poops all right ces 2020 there's going to be a toilet for cat robots i'm going to put it out there <laughs> so um obviously that cat is not the only robot at ces could you play walker robot in our time together walker seemed mostly interested in domestic chores but we did also dance together i believe this is called dabbing <laughs> it seems like he's like constantly trying to like sneak up on people. Is that intentional? So there's not a lot of biped robots in the market today that can actually walk on two legs. I've seen them do parkour. What, what is she talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, she said not many. Um, so it's another assistive robot um, that creepily rolls around in your house. Uh, it does things like, you know, pick up rubbish, um, hangs up clothes. Um, so it's one of the more uh, useful robots I saw uh, during my you know, investigation into CES. Mm -hmm. um, so this will, you know, call the cops if you fall over. I mean, the ambulance. Um, Are you okay? Yeah. You're okay, things like that. It checks to see if you're okay. So it's one of the robots that the guys from the Vergecast were talking about. Um, but the all-important question is, will it kill you when it tries to hug you? Can he hug you? He can hug you, yes. So the arms are actually programmed with all of the servos to feel the weight and understand when to push up and push back. So it won't hug you too hard. <laughs> it won't hug you too hard till you know, your insides come out somehow. Um, mm. I've always wondered that. Mm. The robots that hug, how do they know how hard to hug? So apparently this is it. So it can sense pressure and weight and things like that. Or, you know, the other thing they might want to start considering is you screaming. <laughs> now, oh, speaking of screaming, I've, I'm, I'm glad we're in the robot segment now because I can talk about Sophia. So, <laughs> Sophia <laughs> uh, has been featured a lot on, on this podcast of late. Um, so, imagine, uh, what was that movie? Ex Machina. Yeah. Um, so, I think she's uh, on purpose has that look. So, she's got a face. She's like a bold face. Um, but at the back, you know, it's all electronic parts. You can sort of see through her skull. Um, but yeah, she's pretty much the most famous robot out there. What, what do you think? No, 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 definitely. And now the previous she, one. Well, okay, well, let's just wait, wait, wait on there. But um, now um, she actually came onto the set of CNET. Did you see this interview? No, I didn't. So Ashley Escada, who's like one of these like crazy hosts that talk about technology in a very specific way. Um, asked her, asked Sophia, who was on stage, asked her about, you know, who are you really and what do you think about all the critics out there um, who, you know, think that you're, you're nothing more than a, just a chatbot on a movable neck, maybe. Um, so what do you think of that, Sophia? All right, Sophia, how do you, how do you feel about the critics? Like, what do, what's your response? It is a tough question. All of civilization is one nation, and the nation should be considered to include whatever we built in the future, too. Any other perspective is short-sighted, but with that in mind, I guess you could say I am at least a little patriotic. I care a lot about the future, anyways. AI are great, 
I love all the animals, really. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> that uh, she's looking to the future, perhaps. I sure. Mean, of course, um, it's important to know that when she's generating responses, they're generated based on patterns that are trained from people, from yeah. people who are developing her character. Yeah, so that last guy was David Hansen, who founded Hansen Robotics, and Sophia sort of falls under that. Um, have you have you seen this guy before? Because he's a bit. Uh... Here's here's what's really funny. Because remember how we spoke about him when I covered the was it the web? Um, I was at Portugal event yeah. um, where we featured Sophia as well. So he, uh, I've learned about him a lot more in my new job. Okay. Uh, so he's recently done a. He's a big friend of the company I now work for, mm-hmm. um, because his his AI net sits on Ethereum, uh, a blockchain network. Mm-hmm. Um, so he recently did an interview with Joe Rogan, uh, which was super interesting. If you haven't seen it, uh, mm-hmm. when I say recent, I'm thinking maybe a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, he's got some really interesting views of the world. Like he is a little odd. I think for someone so smart, he is going to. You know, they're 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 all a little odd like that, but. Great insights into the world. Um, Sophia is the closest thing we have to actual, you know, AI. Which I think it's kind of fair to say um, she's co- she's continuously learning, uh, but he's extremely intelligent. Mm. Um, that clip that I played, um, the, there were a lot of pauses that I sort of clipped out, but <laughs> I did the same um, thing when I clipped it. <laughs> yeah, they uh, so there was there was a little um, introduction of another robot on the stage, um, and here is little Sophia. Little Sophia, can you walk? Show us your little walk. Come on, you She's can thinking do it. about it. You can do it. Oh, okay. There she goes. It's like a toddler. Good job, like a little, little toddler. Sophia. Hey. She's bobbling, she looks great. Oh, that was awesome. Okay, so I probably should have mentioned that it's like a miniature, miniaturized Sophia with like little wheels and legs and arms. And uh, they were trying to make it walk. It didn't for a long time because I, I think it was like a connect- connectivity issue. But um, did you did you see that, you know, gleaming sound of his voice? It was like uh, almost like a father. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, little, little Sophia is walking. Oh, I'm so proud. That was, that was yeah. the creepiest part, actually. Of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. While you were talking, I wasn't even listening. I just wanted to look at how little Sophia was. Uh, because the, the the clip that we showed uh, a couple of episodes ago, she left her legs in Vegas. I'm guessing for CES. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to look at what little Sophia. Anyway, mm. I'm, 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 I'm just intrigued and uh, I'm getting lost in, you know, trying to find what little Sophia looks like. I've got one uh, last clip of... Uh you know, um, Sophia here, little Sophia. Um, and this might actually point to what they're planning to do with it. This is little Sophia. Hello, it's a little, little tiny Sophia. Sophia. She's real cute. So little, so what is the goal of little Sophia? Well, the little Sophia is um, a platform for artificial intelligence services. She's also a conversational companion, a kind of a friend robot um, that can help little girls uh, learn about science and technology. And um, you can program her with Blockly and Python. And uh, she interfaces with Raspberry Pi. So there you go, Blockly. Blockly. Mm. Is that what you meant by the the platforms in the blockchain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I have have an ISO from from the, the last couple of clips there where he wanted to you know, get little 
uh, Sophia to walk. Show us your little walk. <laughs> I don't know when we're ever going to use that uh, unless we become a robotics um, podcast. No, I think um, every, every robot that we talk about in the future, we, this is the test. Like, we got to see the little legs move and... Show us your little walk. And then kill us. Um, okay. Um, now... Uh, are you, are you, do, we, do you have any clips before we go into some of the things that CS aren't doing so well in? I believe I'm out of clips now. <laughs> actually, no, I've got, a, I've got a couple of them actually, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, no, us. we can go through them uh, before. Um, uh, any, any more robot stuff? I've got no. uh, something about the smart desk, the Semtrex smart desk. Oh, I love a good desk. Okay, here we go. So let's first talk about the displays here. It's got three 24-inch touchscreen displays. But what makes this really cool is that it's got a built-in leap motion module right here at the base of the keyboard. That way you can do hands-free gestures. So for instance, if you want to scroll without touching uh, the trackpad here, you just move your fingers. And they've also got some other gestures too for copy and paste and other things like that. They also have special customized touchscreen controls for moving windows around really easily without having to drag and drop. So imagine one of these at work, I think mostly, it's for the enterprise really, but um, three fixed screens, uh, you know, embedded keyboard. Um, you've got other things like uh, Qi charging for your phones, uh, built-in earbuds, um, document scanner, what else? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's an all-in-one yeah. office. It's, a, right. yeah, it's an much. office on legs. Yeah, and I like the leap motion thing, which, which is like something you can use your hands with to uh, scroll through the windows and things like that. Interesting. It's worth, it's worth checking out. Yes. Mm. You got anything? No. No, I think I saw this desk. Um, but just to close off the main CES branch of stuff, uh, I think Razer was there as well. Uh, they they launched a new gaming monitor. So, so you know, a lot of these very consumer-esque type uh, uh, companies were there, but nothing groundbreaking. You're going to see them again. They're just pretty much um, little iterations of the things you already have, keyboards, mouse, computer, laptops, mm. a lot of laptops. Like, I got so sick of laptops. <laughs> Well, perhaps this little thing might be not that, not the everyday thing that we see at CES. Um, perhaps this is something we'll see over the next 10 years. Like other charging cases, the Forever Sleeve works like a backup battery for your phone, but it charges itself using a hidden antenna that's able to suck power right out of the air. It's not harvesting free energy from the universe, however. Spigen's Forever Sleeve works alongside Asia's wireless power transmitters. Similar to how your router is able to broadcast wireless internet around your home, the Asia transmitter generates wireless signals which can be picked up by other devices up to 12 feet away and turned into usable electricity. This is the first product Asia has demonstrated that can charge your smartphone. There you go, over the air charging. Yeah, I mean that's I, you know I want that to be a reality, right? I mean that's how that's how I think the electric car is going to really take off is when the roads can charge the car as you go. Uh, as if they're on the rails or like uh, yeah, yeah or, or wireless um, mm. without your your brains getting fried. We just we just need free energy, man. That'll solve everything. Free energy, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if you got that from the clip, but it, it essentially looks like a um, like a normal charging case, but um, obviously, um, yeah, you can you can sort of charge. This is just a prototype, however, so it's probably still three four years away. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, should we move on to some of the more controversial things happening? Whoa. At yes, controversial. Of course. Um, I mean, obviously, we spoke a little bit about this, but a large part of health is sex. Uh, I never thought I'd say this on this podcast. But, uh, you know, we met, um, you know, Brian Nicole uh, a couple of years ago. We met her once or twice, and she's now a leading podcaster with her Future of Sex podcast. Um, I follow her on Instagram, and she was pointing to this um, other company called Unbound, uh, which makes vibrators and things like that. So nothing too out of the norm, right? It's out there. It is what it is. Um, but CES, uh, for some reason, um, does not like this very much. So what? if you could play the clip from um, so I'll give you a bit of context before you play that. So this is Polly Rodriguez, who is the CEO of a company called Unbound. Um, they did win an award, but controversially. So let's hear what she has to say via her Instagram account. Start with America's favorite town, Las Vegas, where CS is going on, and they have banned not this, not just this year. Every f-ing year they banned vibrators. Last year they banned Lioness. This year it's some other company where the reward was revoked annoying in and of itself but what's even more annoying is that sex robots vr porn naughty america and f-ing booth babes have been allowed every year not to mention when we competed for strip of the year we came in second place and i've never shared this because i've been too embarrassed and also too scared but that night the judges all got drunk and I was told that we didn't win when we should have when everyone wanted us to win because they weren't comfortable with a vibrator company coming in first place. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So I think, you know, as much as CES wants to move away from being known as the consumer electronics show from the 70s and the 80s, I'm guessing a lot of those values, I guess, from those era from that era is still sticking around i mean she makes a really good point i mean if there's vr porn why can't there be vibrators you know what i mean just open it up is it more to do with like hardware versus software is it you know maybe uh, but i'm i'm guessing there's a lot of other weird sex dolls yeah robots sex sex robots yeah 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 so uh, you know if it's i'm guessing there's there's just that um they're they're both mechanical they're both electrical i mean Mm -hmm. what's the difference right um so i think she does make a really good point it was quite disappointing here because gizmodo also wrote an article uh on this looking at all the other different uh sort of companies that do the same thing that were also uh not present or kicked out or they had to sneak in Mm -hmm. so it's not all fun and games i, I uh, do have advice for her though i think she just gotta not call it a sex toy <laughs> just don't yeah. do that I, I think it's just the naming of it that's putting cs uh, whoever the board is uh, yeah they, they might be put off by that word only yeah maybe oh, maybe I wonder but if that's it, what it is yeah maybe it is but um it, it shouldn't you know that it shouldn't be like that uh, i think it's you know it's it's 2019 um and you know i think if if you're gonna see yes is known for you know all the diversity in terms of technology but they also should you know uh include everyone and um i think you mm. know missing an opportunity but I, I never knew about this side of ces you know it's not something that you and i obviously uh you know get, get into but um it's uh it's been covered quite a fair bit so this is not great for ces do we do we want to go one year i i don't know if i'll enjoy myself i <laughs> I, I, you know, we, we, I, I know, you know, we hear about this at Twit all the time. They're like, oh, I don't want to go to CES because I might get the flu. Everybody touches everything. Um, but I wouldn't say no either. 
so I'm, I'm kind of caught in between i like it won't be a holiday if if, if that makes sense like God, it no. would be you you we'll probably get up at six and you know go to bed at midnight and do it all over again um and i don't even know like is it is it I've, i think we looked into this last year like it's it's impossible to get tickets. It's only for journos. It's quite hard. Do you remember uh, what, what, how, what it would be like to get into CS? I think there was a bit where I think you had to be on a lottery for um, the public. That's right. Yeah, there, there are 140,000 participants. So surely they're not all journalists, can't be, right? be very yeah, sad right. if they were all journalists geez yeah. um, no but like it, it does cost an arm and a leg and you you do have to stay in Vegas so yeah if, you, if you're not sort of sponsored then it's going to be a hard thing to do uh, mm. for sure yeah so uh, any any companies out there uh... <laughs> yeah if you don't want to you know if you don't want to send your own staff to go get some weird flu uh, we're here for you uh, just let us know um, uh, anything else to add to see us before we close up no I'm all out man about that so yeah um we hope you enjoyed episode 116 um if if you know you want to hear more of this good stuff come to the website for the other 115 episodes uh you can find the website on thelazycouch.com you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter if you're listening to us on itunes let us know what you think give us some stars we, we would really really appreciate it this is kelvin saying kelv out jeff out yeah um, by the way, I had to learn how to beat uh, her. Uh, I don't think I did a very good job because you could still make oh, out really? Yeah. So it took me about half an hour to do that on Audacity. It's actually quite simple. Oh. Uh, just generate a tone over the wavelength. Um, but I couldn't get it right because you could still hear the F and the G. Um, that's fine. But, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Right? I just hope like iTunes doesn't pick it up and say explicit or something like that. Um, so hang on. So we, we say other words, but the F word we can't? I don't know. I, d- oh. I actually don't know. I, I, I'm guessing we, you know, we don't have tens of thousands of listeners that way. You know, we're not on the radar or something. But we, we could get into the Kevin Hart situation, like when we get uh, when yeah. we get hit up for to host the Oscars. Yeah, I know. When we go to CES in 2025 and they pick yeah. up this old, you know, recording, we're screwed. Yes. Yeah. But um, no, I learned. I know how to beat things and censor things now. If you ever uh, need me to censor anything, I'm here for you, man. Uh, you effing what now? <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.